Hey there, it's uh, Gary Parish. It's Sunday, January 26, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I know this is a college basketball podcast, and we will get to college basketball eventually. Uh, but there's really only one sports story that matters today. NBA legend Kobe Bryant, a five-time world champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, 18-time All-Star, and the MVP of the 2008 season, died Sunday morning in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. He's 41 years old. Kobe's 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, also on board and killed. In total, nine people are believed to have lost their lives in the crash. Just shocking, tragic, heartbreaking news. You, you know, there are are lots of great former basketball players, but the list of icons is is much shorter. And Kobe is undeniably on that list of icons. You don't have to be a, a sports fan to know Kobe Bryant. You just have to be a, a human. And like I tweeted earlier, this would be an awful story no matter the circumstances. But the fact that the most recent images of Kobe were not as a basketball player, but as a father of four, just makes it hit a little harder. He was literally taking his daughter to her game when he lost his life. He leaves behind his wife, uh, Vanessa, and three other daughters. Uh, like I said, Norlander, I, I know this is a college basketball podcast, and we're going to get to college basketball, but I, I did feel like we should spend a few minutes on on Kobe's death. What a shocking, stunning, awful, tragic situation. Yeah, this is the only place we can start um, because it is a story that transcends sports. It is the biggest sport. It's the biggest story in this country. And given Kobe Bryant's uh, profile as an NBA player and how much impact that league has on a global scale and how much Kobe Bryant was a key figure in helping expand it to such, this is a global story. This will be uh, potentially... Um, the biggest story that the NBA sees the entire season and obviously the world of sports here. Um, this, uh, it's not, I mean, we're recording this Sunday night. Um, it still doesn't feel real for a lot of reasons here. Um, first of all, you had Kobe Bryant in the consciousness this weekend because you had LeBron James on Saturday night passing Kobe on the all-time NBA scoring list. And so with this impending milestone for James, um, they just, you know, LeBron has spoken about it and he spoke, he has actually, there's a terrific soundbite. If you, if you are on social media or you've been following it on news or whatever, like the amount of um, information, videos regarding Kobe, about Kobe, it's its actually overwhelming and emotional. I, I, I'm i about at the point where I can't, uh, I actually can't ingest this stuff anymore because it is it is too much, particularly particularly with his 13-year-old daughter. Um, but LeBron speaking about um, Kobe and how much of an influence he was, um, I heard Rachel Nichols share a tremendous story about Kobe giving LeBron a pair of his shoes back when LeBron was still in high school. And even at that point, LeBron's feet were actually bigger, one size larger than Kobe's shoes, but he loved and admired the man so much that he just played an entire game with cramped feet because he had to wear those shoes because Kobe gave them to him. And for that to happen, for Kobe Bryant's final tweet to be one acknowledging LeBron James, you know, we're talking 16 hours before he perishes in a helicopter crash. Um, it's all just so much. This is one of the more shocking uh, 
celebrity deaths that that I can ever recall that we will ever uh, experience because he's only 41. You know, Kobe Bryant is. Uh, he was. This was his first year of being eligible to get into the Hall of Fame. That won't be official until Final Four weekend is when all that stuff happens. Obviously, he is going to and was always going to get in on on the first ballot here. Um, he doesn't even live to it to experience that. I I have so much uh, sympathy uh, for his for his friends, for his family. For his wife, for his uh, his daughters, everyone here, and they have not. As we are recording this podcast, the local sheriff held a press conference about an hour ago. The initial death toll was thought to be five, and now it is thought potentially to be as many as nine because that is how many people were on the flight manifest. We don't know the identities of the people that were on there, but obviously, our thoughts go with them. Um, this is uh, so tragic. Um, helicopter crashes are not uncommon, but when it comes to um, well-known people, uh, it's 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 not very common, obviously. Um, but yeah, man, GP, I just this is one of those things where I was I was reeling, um, saw it, didn't really believe it. Um, I even sent you a text because the story was on TMZ site and TMZ hadn't tweeted it yet, so it was one of those things where I was like, this can't possibly be real, and someone's hacked TMZ's website. Soon thereafter, sure enough, they did tweet it. Um, you know, we can go a number of ways here, but uh, but obviously, I think you would agree with me. This is just one of those instances where you're never going to forget where you were and how you received the news that Kobe Bryant had died. Yeah, we were in a group text. Uh, you and I are in one with a, a, a handful of other basketball riders, and somebody sent the link. It might have been you, but it was. somebody. Yeah, it was me. Okay, so. And it's 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 a TMZ like story. Kobe Bryant is dead, and yet at that moment, TMZ's Twitter account hadn't yet tweeted the breaking news. So my initial thoughts and hopes are that it's just they got hacked. Um, but everything looked legit. Like you know, it you went to TMZ.com, it was right there. It it was, but there were still these this these moments of confusion. And then TMC does actually tweet it, which gives it a little more validity because I know that that is a controversial news organization, but they have a pattern, a history of being first on famous deaths. I believe they were first on Michael Jackson. Prince. I I believe they were first on Prince. Exactly right. And so you can think whatever you want to think about the way they do these things, but they aren't normally wrong. And um, I, I, I believe the sheriff did say today that the Bryant family had not been contacted before right. the Z story broke, which is just ugh. And I don't really know what the right or wrong thing is there. Um, I, I know that it, the easiest thing to say in the world is you do not publish a story like that until the family has been notified. And and perhaps that's right, but you know, from a news breaking perspective, if you've got the story and you know what you've got is is there, then you know I, I can understand how that's a it's a complicated situation. But you know, still you just you're trying to process it all in real time, like not just you and I, but the the entire world. It felt like, mm-hmm. and then there's um you know a a a confirmed report from a different media outlet that there was indeed a crash 
in Calabasas, and then you know more. Um, it, it, it became accepted as fact, and then ultimately confirmed um, by the Lakers and 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 the NBA in general. Kobe Bryant dead at 41, and I'm with you. I've I've spent this afternoon watching a lot of the videos of Kobe talking um, about things or people talking about Kobe. And I guess this is what we do anytime somebody dies. Like these, these, these videos start making the rounds on social media and it's all, it's all wonderful to watch. And there's some great memories there, but the stuff with his daughter, just like it gets to you, you know, I, I'm, I don't have a habit of tearing up um, about things uh, that don't have much to do with my life or, people who I don't actually know. And yet here's a guy who was so, um, incredibly competitive and driven as a professional for, um, literally decades and then retires and you wonder. And I I saw an interview where Kobe openly wondered, like, what will I do, you know, after basketball? Like this has been my life. And we found out what he did, at least in part. He just, dove headfirst into his children's lives and became the present and involved father that every father says they're going to be, but not all fathers are. And that's not to suggest he wasn't those things while he was playing, but it's it's just, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. If you are a professional athlete with travel and practice and games and training, uh, you know, you, you do sacrifice something from a family perspective and you can't be there all the time. Hell, you and I can't be there all the time. And, um, and so when he retired, yeah, he was working in uh, lots of other industries, but really became, uh, it f- looked like super dad and the videos of him talking so proudly about his daughter who came to him as the story goes a couple of years ago and said, I want to be a basketball player. And it just, um, you know, just it, 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 he couldn't, he couldn't have loved that more because I saw an interview he did with, I think Jimmy Kimmel. And he said that he would be out and about every once in a while and fans would come up and they'd say, you know, you gotta have a, you gotta have a boy to carry on the legacy because he's got four daughters, no boys. And he said, Gigi would step in and like say, I'm going to be the one to carry on the legacy. And she was by all accounts, an accomplished and and talented basketball player. And Kobe had talked about her, um, you know, one day being in the WNBA, a Bryant in the WNBA. And there was video of Kobe and and Gigi at a UConn game earlier this season where he's talking uh, about her just like any proud father would. And to think that it's just all over. And I guess that's the other thing that just gets me is that the randomness Mm -hmm. and like, I mean, this is all cliche, you know, like you you never know when's your time, but like just the idea that you could go to bed congratulating LeBron James by pass for passing you on the all time scoring list, wake up the next morning, presumably have breakfast, kiss your wife goodbye, and then get in the helicopter with your 13 year old daughter to go to her basketball game. And then it's just over Mm -hmm. is the most terrifying and humbling, uh, the thing you could possibly, you know, understand. Yeah. Uh, and and the reports are that it appears that something was failing with the helicopter. I mean, quite clearly something was failing. But like there was a sputtering engine. There's reports that people heard that, which means that you know they had this either collection of minutes hmm. or moments 
where they knew they were about to die or probably about to die. And I just can't even imagine what that, what that must be like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm losing his daughter. It's just, yeah, gosh. Um, you know, so much of what will be uh, discussed about, rightfully so, with Kobe's influence um, with the NBA and um, the stuff with his with his daughter. Um, he also, you know, obviously his impact was just so spread throughout. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski's and Jim Beheim have handed down statements. Uh, you know, as a function of him playing for Team USA Basketball and college basketball having uh, its coaches serve uh, there, and just in so many different wings of USA Basketball. I mean, Kobe Bryant has interacted uh, with many, many uh, coaches uh, at the college level. He also... Um, uh, a public, but also, you know, from what I've been told, a very uh, enthusiastic, even behind-the-scenes champion of the WNBA of women's basketball, uh, you know, bef- because of his daughter, before his daughter, um, had developed a relationship with, you know, Oregon's got a player, um, Sabrina Ionescu, who's, you know, arguably the best women's college player in the game. You know, Oregon had a game on Sunday. Um, she was obviously emotional there. Um so yeah, him championing championing the women's game was something that uh, was growing ever more as he was you know into retirement, and now that's gone. And I could easily have seen uh, an alternate timeline here where Kobe Bryant, at the age of 43, 47, 50, 52, uh, as his daughter, uh, and if you watch videos, you know. Right or wrong, there were videos of, of Kobe Bryant's daughter at 12 and 13 years old balling out, and she looks like she knew what she was doing, like a genuine talent. You know, she would have gone on to play Division One basketball, potentially become a, a WNBA player, um, what he could have done uh, as an ambassador there. Um, it's all very heartbreaking. And, you know, the other things that have been happening here, we're, we're recording this as, obviously, as the world continues to uh, expose its reactions in real time. I mean, the NBA is playing games, um, which puts players in a super tough spot. I thought the 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 gesture from the Raptors and the Spurs to both take 24 second uh, violations in honor of Kobe Bryant, obviously wearing 24, was was something else. And then I saw I don't have the teams in front of me. Forgive me, but an, another uh, team did, took a 24, and then the next possession, the other team took an eight second uh, ha- a timeline violation, and being the number eight. Grizz, uh, Grizzlies and Suns. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got Trey Young. Um, I'm uncomfortable. Here's what I Trey Young wearing number A is great. I I understand this is unavoidable in this age. I'm also uncomfortable with all of these athletes and public figures being exposed to this news and I understand the cameras are going to catch. I guess I get it, but uh, perish. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to get totally dark here, but like let's say that uh, I learned that you had passed or you learned that I had passed and it happened in front of tens of thousands of people or broadcast. Like that's not a moment that you really necessarily want shared out there with everyone. I understand it's unavoidable, but that's been one element of this where um, obviously the scenes are so powerful and um, – I just I was a little surprised the NBA opted to play games here. Logistically, it probably was too tough to say we're not going to do it. I guess, um, but it has been uh, it has been something else just to see the reactions. I mean, we saw um, you know Tiger Woods. To be clear, he wanted to talk about it on camera on CBS after his round, but I thought that was a powerful moment when um, uh, first of all he didn't know what had happened, and he said in his, his post game uh, or his post round interview 
uh, people were yelling, do it for Mamba. I, you know, and I'm paraphrasing now what Tiger said, but he's like, I didn't know, and, and now I realize it. And w- w- what a day, man. You, you, we are witnessing Tiger Woods in real time. Four minutes, five minutes after learning one of his good friends has died the way he died, try and even try and process it. And even he didn't in that moment there. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, man, it's just, it's, it's, this is a story that, you know, We'll we'll stay with the basketball world forever, and um, we'll get you know who knows how many tributes, uh, emotional, inspiring, uh, in the coming hours, the coming days. But yeah, this uh, this affects the entire basketball world. Um, you know, it's just you can you can continue. I don't want to ramble too much, but it is it, GP as as we do this podcast now. Just it's kind of kind of talking through it. It's just it, this. I, it's on the short list of the most shocking deaths. I can ever remember experiencing, and I'm not even, I wasn't a Lakers fan, loved Kobe's game, but I, you know, I grew up a huge Bulls fan, huge Jordan guy, so to me, when I was younger, it was like, yeah, that's the guy that wants to be Jordan, but isn't Jordan, and then he transformed himself into one of the 10 best players in NBA history, and I think it was Tom Haverstrow who tweeted out, he said, you know, for so many people in LA and just beyond, like, the way that Kobe played the game, like, he was actually, like, uh, he was an institution, he was like a religion to himself, and I thought that actually perfectly nailed it. Well, um... No, like you can't overstate what he meant to people in L.A. um, And you probably can't understand it unless you've unless you're one of those people or you are close with those people. Um, One of my best friend's wife grew up in L.A. She is not a sports fan. She, you know, she's not listening to this podcast right now. She swears by Kobe Bryant. She loves Kobe Bryant. I don't know that she loves the Lakers or basketball, but she loves Kobe Bryant. He really was this thing um, there that was a, a larger than life uh, icon. And he is somebody who, you know, transcended sports. Like we mentioned before, he's a one name star, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 we've talked about this before. I believe, you know, people where you say one word and everybody knows who you're talking about. Like in the year 2020, it's probably, uh, you know, Beyonce, Kanye, um, LeBron, um, you know, it, it, Zion, honestly. And, and, yeah. And Kobe, Kobe is, is that person. And coincidentally, and it, back to the canceling game stuff, there's been a lot of criticism of the NBA on social media for not canceling games because there's video of players like literally crying on the court. And, you know, and, and, you know like everybody on an NBA team, I, I would imagine, either played with or against Kobe Bryant or grew up looking up to Kobe Bryant. Exactly. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, you're in one of those categories. Yeah. He was either your teammate or... Or your or your competitor, or he was somebody you looked up to, and so uh, th- this hits everybody hard. And yeah, I, I don't think anybody would have been upset if they canceled today's games. But you are exactly right. Logistically, it's just a hard thing to do. Like, um, you know, I, I was on sideline for Memphis SMU this weekend, and I stayed downtown um, this weekend. My wife and I, and we were staying at at the Westin across from FedEx Forum. And I only bring this up because the Suns are in town and the, the Suns were there. So what you realize is they flew in yesterday. They're in the hotel all night last night. They're getting ready to play a game today. If you cancel it, they've got to get on the road. When do you get them back here? It's just it's not impossible. Right. But but it does become a logistical issue. And so I don't have any problem with them playing the games, although it, it you know you do put a lot of players in um, in some tough situations. I, I talked to my wife earlier today. She's in Dallas um, because uh, she owns a children's store and she's at a market down there, and she called me like freaked out about Kobe Bryant. Now again, my wife does not care about basketball that much, 
but she is very aware of Kobe Bryant and the Kobe Bryant story. And I just saw this tweet from Chrissy Teigen, um, the uh, model slash best-selling author um, who is obviously married to, to John Legend because coincidentally the Grammys are tonight right. at Staples Center. Yeah. And you know, Chrissy tweeted, uh, we're downtown right now. And nothing feels more unimportant than what we are doing today. This is absolutely terrible. Everyone is numb. It really does, uh, you know, and some people listening to this will be listening to it late Sunday or Monday after the Grammys. But it's a weird thing to try to balance yes. this, this celebration of music. But in L.A., inside Staples Center today, when Kobe Bryant tragically and uh, abruptly died this morning. It's a weird. It must be a weird vibe. Yeah, and that's you know you can uh, you can even call it you know in part uh, a house that Kobe built. You know, given everything that uh, that he accomplished there in that building. And we are recording this prior to the Grammy, so um, I would anticipate uh, acknowledgement right off the top of the broadcast and uh, and recognition throughout. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw multiple artists opt for. Um, who knows if this will happen or not? But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw multiple artists opt for late, uh, late wardrobe change and, uh, and and saw you know a twenty four or a, or an eight jersey out there, uh, one way or another. Um, you really think about what it what like L A as a city as a community has gone through. I mean, you lose yeah. Nipsey Hussle less than a year ago. Yes, who is an inc- like, you know, I, I know his star isn't as big as Kobe's was and will forever be. But in that community, Nip was an incredibly important figure and he's taken short uh you know far too early and now kobe bryant as well it's a it's that city's been through it over the past year it has and for the nba it's now lost uh this is not an exaggeration two of its 10 most influential figures in a matter of weeks here because david stern also died earlier this year and so you got david stern and now kobe bryant uh certainly a very a very somber uh, somber year so far for the NBA, but you know we can get to talking about college hoops here. But I, uh, you know, Parrish and I both, uh, you know, we know our listenership, and um, it, it is such a huge story um, that will uh, the shockwaves of which will carry on into the week uh, to the point where actually I don't even know if this really hits the back burner truly in the sports world until uh, the Super Bowl kicks off a week from now. Um, but it, you know. It is a basketball story, and 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 one more note here, because I do feel compelled to mention this, um, uh, because I do have friends who are not sports fans whatsoever, um, and I had been checking in, I you know, I, I checked in on Facebook here and there, and there there is a sentiment out there. Um, Kobe Bryant was a rapist. What is with all of this praiseful coverage? Uh, he, you know, we are not going to litigate that on the podcast, but. Um, uh, it, humans uh, are allowed to mourn other humans. And if you look at the totality of what Kobe Bryant has done, um, it's entirely um, fair and appropriate to uh, acknowledge and even state uh, some of the things that he was alleged to have done wrong, horrible and hideous things. And if you want to disagree with that or debate with that, you can. Um, And still, at the same time, realize uh, how much good he had done in, in particular, GP, in the past, since his retirement, uh, you heard more about Kobe Bryant uh, working to to become uh, an activist with women's basketball, to become a great dad, et cetera, et cetera, on down the line. So I think that is um, 
that is something at least worth acknowledging here. You know, I'm not going to try and completely ignore it, but I think we can be uh, grown-ups about this and have uh, the appropriate amount of shock uh, and disappointment uh, over this kind of tragedy and still realize that, yes, you know, humans are complicated, and Kobe Bryant himself uh, went through really one of the more controversial ordeals in the middle of his career uh, midway through it, and that's still, you know, is now um, a part of, of who he was, but uh, nothing compared to so many of the other things that he had done. It, it is part of his story, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up for no other reason uh, so that people can't say that we didn't. Um, you know, he was accused of, of sexual assault, and if that would have happened in the year 2019 to a star basketball player as opposed to when it happened with him, like different times and you know, uh, social media and Twitter, it would have been an even bigger, wilder spectacle than it was when it happened. I mean, this guy was literally flying into court and then flying back and playing basketball right. games and then flying into court. It, it, it's, um, it, it, is, it is part of his story. And if you want to read about it, you can go read all about it and reach your own conclusions. I will say that he was never found guilty of the crime. That certainly does not mean he did not do it. Um, but but I, I can acknowledge it is possible that he did a really terrible thing um, at least one time. Um, and and if, if you want to let that thing um, shape how you feel about Kobe Bryant forever, then I, I won't try to talk you out of it. But I will also say that, uh, you know, people, humans are complicated. And the, the Kobe Bryant I choose to remember, especially in this moment, is the dad I saw over the past couple of years. Um, you know, being, you know, he, he's obviously somebody who made some mistakes in his marriage because even if uh, he didn't sexually assault anybody, he, by his own admission, you know, uh, went outside of his marriage, but he and his wife worked through that, uh, by all accounts and went on to, to have an incredibly beautiful family and, and to now know that that family is never going to be again, what it was when everybody went to bed last night is just heartbreaking. If you're Vanessa, you've lost, it's one thing to lose your husband. It's one thing to lose a child, to lose your husband and a child. Uh, and if you're those little girls to lose a sister and a dad, it is just absolutely, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, that's this is what I'll end this on. Um, you know, for all that uh, that went on with all that, um, their marriage maintained, and 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 now she is without. I mean, all everyone who died in this helicopter crash. I mean, we're talking families forever severed and broken. It is it is so tragic and so heartbreaking, and you have. You have a little girl who is not even – who is, what, seven months old, born last year? Kobe's she'll youngest daughter. Yeah, she'll never, she will never have – I mean – She'll never have a memory of her father. This is completely gutting, okay, because – and she'll grow up, you know – with with older sisters and with their mother and and just know stories and see videos and see photos but she will not have any sort of uh idea of what it was like to have to have a father so um just to to wrap it up and all you know believed to be as many as nine victims in this helicopter crash okay families everywhere the, for all of the victims um you know we don't tend to get too too deep and serious on the podcast we like to have a good time because we love doing this for you but we also pride ourselves when uh, when the moment calls for it just you know not to be uh not to be afraid to step in and, and have uh, a serious discussion and emotional discussion when it comes to this this is such a, a significant basketball story um Thank you for those who, you know, if you're waiting for us to get to the college hoop stuff, we understand that. But for those, we, we figure you might have wanted to hit on this. And it just, uh, yeah, on, a, on an emotional level, GP, I just, 
I guess because I'm a dad now, like it just, it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's hit me in a way that I, you know, three hours ago, didn't think it would even still be sticking with me. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely rough in our thoughts and prayers go with everyone affected by this just horrific tragedy. Yeah. I mean, it hit me like that too. You know, I'd been around, I've been around Kobe, but I, it's not like I knew him on any sort of level. I've just been around him some. Um, but when the news broke today, my, my little boy, my, my three-year-old was asleep. He's taking a nap. And I just, I, I never, you know, as a father, you don't wake your kids up. You, mm. you cherish when they're in those nap times because you can get done things you need to get done. And, uh, like I went and woke him up just cause I wanted to hold him, you know, it like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it got me pretty good and not because we lost a basketball player. Um, but because we, you know, he is a, he's a father of four and he's got, you know, young daughters who will never know him. Mm-hmm. And it, like that, that's just a gut punch, man. I mean, it, this is a sad story on a million different levels, but to me, that is, that's the biggest level that, uh, that, that, Three little girls, um, a woman lost her daughter and her husband, and three little girls lost their dad and their sister. I mean, it's just – and, and so and, – and, and we'll move on here. But it, th- that plus all of the others, who the identities of whom we don't know yet, you've got a pilot gone. Who knows what, you know, that person's family. It just, it's just – you know, it's, it's a lot here. So um, you want to try and just uh, – do our best to just talk about a little bit of college hoops here. We did have, you know, a number of uh, of games here. And, you know, this is a college basketball podcast, so you want to uh, transition yeah. best we can yeah. here. Yeah, let's just get on to college basketball. I, you know, I wrote in Sunday morning's top twenty-five and one that the weekend, um, at least Saturday, and then Sunday followed suit. Uh, it was kind of a weird weekend for college basketball, mostly because it, it wasn't weird at all. Ranked teams played a total of twenty-one games against unranked teams or lower-ranked teams this weekend. And the ranked slash higher ranked teams went 19 and two in those games. The only losses by ranked teams to unranked teams or lower ranked teams was number 20 Memphis losing at home to unranked SMU. SMU closed that game on a 15-0 run. It was wild. Memphis didn't score in the final six minutes. And then number 22 Arizona lost at unranked Arizona State. Zero top 15 teams lost. So the most notable results. Uh, beyond San Diego State improving to 21 and 0, they were in a little bit of a fight on Sunday afternoon with UNLV, but they um, pulled away late, win the game. They're now 21 and 0, the only remaining uh, undefeated team in the country. Beyond that, mm-hmm. the most interesting, interesting results probably Kentucky winning at Texas Tech 76-74, Baylor winning at Florida 72-61. Which of those more impressive to you, Kentucky at Texas Tech or Baylor at Florida? Um, I watched both, uh, and I'd, I'd throw in Maryland winning at Indiana. Uh, that was a wacky one, but I'd put that, I'd put it third only because of the nature of the game. Um, but Maryland, by the way, gets like its first legit road win. The only other one I had was at Northwestern. Um, uh, probably, you know what? I think it's Kentucky because the opponent allegedly is better. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Texas Tech's got a weirdly thin resume at this point. Uh, in fact, I'll I'll get to a note on that in a minute. But um, here's the thing: Kentucky, uh, Emmanuel quickly played relatively well. Ashton Hagen's made a great uh, couple of defensive plays near near the stretch there. Get, game gets to overtime, et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm probably more encouraged than discouraged if my team 
has gotten to this point and not really had consistently dominant play or near dominant play with the with the backcourt. Fifteen and four, only lost once since that OSU loss uh, in the CBS Sports Classic, and it was on like a, a half freakish buzzer beater at South Carolina, sitting at five and one in the league. And like Tyrese Maxey, he's just been okay. Um, Hagen's actually didn't have a great game. And they won in spite of it. Now, Nick Richards was awesome again. And after the game, Nick Richards had a great quote just about, you know, just his development and getting there. And he's he's an awesome story. I, I did a, a little reactions piece on the site on Saturday night and, and highlighted Nick Richards in particular, saying he's kind of a throwback player. Uh, it used to be that if you were going to a big-time program, you were 6'11". By the time you were a junior, that's when you were a relevant player, someone that mattered. It doesn't really happen like that anymore, but this is what's happening with Nick Richards. He is definitely in the top two, top three conversation for SEC Player of the Year. Uh, since the calendar flipped to 2020, he's been outstanding, uh, averaging a double-double and, and you know three-and-a-half blocks, and he was, he was really good again, hit the clinching free throws. So, uh, GP, I... I Give it to Kentucky a little bit over Baylor, but to Baylor's credit, uh, had a little bit of a, a deficit, and then whereas Kentucky needed to fight and kind of squeak it out in a much tougher road environment, Baylor then just kind of put the pedals to the metal and was just like, see ya, like just see ya, we're out of here, and just reinforce that it will remain number one in the polls. Yeah, I guess um, I guess I'd, I'd split it down the middle. I'd say Kentucky's winning at Texas Tech probably more impressive than Baylor winning at Florida. But the way Baylor won at Florida, probably more impressive than the way Kentucky won at, at Texas Tech, if that makes sense. Because Kentucky was in a fight. Baylor, like, just controlled that thing. Yeah. And, man, uh, like, and we're not going to get into the who should be number one debate because <laughs> I've, I've explained it 50 times. I, I got no problem with Baylor being number one, even though I've got Gonzaga number one in the top 25 and one. Um, Baylor has a better body of work, undeniably. They're now six and one in quadrant one opportunities. 10 and 1 in quadrant 1 slash quadrant 2 opportunities. They're on a 16 game winning streak. And, you know, when you start talking about, you know, you know, often we have teams even ranked in the top 10 that you, you look at what they've done and you go, okay, they're really good at home, but what did they do away from home? Like, who did they really beat away from? Baylor checks every box. They've, they've, they've won massive games on the road. They've won games on neutral courts, games at home. They've blown out good people. They've been in close games and have been able to figure it out. They've really done everything everything that you ask a, a, a great basketball team to do, and you can't overstate what, what Scott is, is doing there. Jared Butler leading the team in points, 15.8 uh, points per game. And yet I still don't really and, – and when people ask me – you know, who do you think wins the national championship? I never actually say the word Baylor, even though Baylor's ranked number one. Okay. I still never, I still haven't got there yet. Wow. Like, yep, like right. Baylor's probably, like if I had to pick a national champion, I'd pick Baylor. I've never said those words, and I don't know that I've heard really anybody else say those words, but at what point does that become the correct answer to who should be the favorite to win the national championship? Baylor Bears. I mean, with each passing game, we are getting there. Um, I've, I've been a believer in that, uh, you know, general concept, if you would, Paris, since they romped on Kansas two weeks ago. Um, in that moment, to win the way that that Baylor did, uh, and since then, I mean, it's just been more of the same. Here's how they've. Here's how Baylor has done since we got to the new year. Okay, uh, beat Texas at home by 15. Went to Texas Tech. Uh, one by five. But how about this? I actually had this in last week's power rankings. This season, Baylor has kept 
Shaka Smart to its lowest uh, Texas to its lowest point total ever under Shaka Smart, 44. Kept Texas Tech to its low, lowest home total ever under Chris Beard, uh, 52, and held Kansas to its lowest home total, I believe, in the Baylor-Kansas series when the game's at Fog Allen uh, with 55. They continue to roll. They beat Kansas by 12, one over Iowa State by 13, one at Oklahoma State by uh, 7, and then this past week uh, beat Oklahoma at home a little close by 4, and then they go and they just they, they beat Florida by 11, but it was even more than that. So I've been uh, a, a general big believer in the Bears when it comes to uh, their national championship credentials. And to state the obvious uh, – not only would Baylor be the number one overall seed if we ter- if we seeded the the field right now here this Sunday night, uh, I don't particularly think it's close. Um, and by that I mean, if Baylor lost a second time, I still think it would be the number one overall seed with its resume at this point in time, um, looking good. But still, yet I will note fourth in Ken Palm, Kansas is one, Duke is two, Gonzaga is three, Baylor four, Dayton five, and San Diego State still just chilling there, undefeated at eight in Ken Palm, even behind Michigan State, which got a, uh, a road win over Minnesota on Sunday. I mentioned the Zags. Um, I still have them number one in the top 25 and one. I've just decided I'm not going to drop them unless they lose or unless they start playing really poorly, and neither of those things are happening. Um, they cruise to another win Saturday night. They, win, they are winning their WCC games by an average of 27.6 points. They cannot change their schedule. All they can do is be beat the crap out of everybody on their league schedule, and that is what they're doing nearly without exception. Um, I want to go back to Kentucky for a second. You know, I have them 18th in the top 25 and one, and within seconds of tweeting it, uh, Kentucky fans <laughs> call me all, so- all sorts of names. I will say that Kentucky's interesting because I do think that, listen, um, they're playing better. They're playing well. Shouldn't be a surprise. John Calipari's got a team that was struggling to, to get back on the right track. He has a, a pretty long and well-documented history of that. But um, Kentucky's low in the computers as well. You know, 22nd in the net, 25th at Ken Palm, 32 at Torvik. So you know, the computer numbers don't love the Wildcats right now. Even um, yeah. if Kentucky fans, I agree with you, should be encouraged that 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 looks like a legitimate Final Four uh, contender once again. Uh, Nick Richards, it's a remarkable story. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I intended to go look this up, and perhaps I will. You know, at some point, um, Kobe Bryant died and I got sucked into that. But breakthrough junior seasons at Kentucky is not a normal thing under John Calipari. Usually by your junior season, if you haven't been anything as a freshman and a sophomore, and I think Nick Richards would even tell you he was a bit player as a freshman, sophomore. If you are a bit player as a freshman and a sophomore at Kentucky, odds are your junior season, you are just going to continue to be a bit player or you're not even going to be there anymore. You've transferred out or turned pro against all logic. You just um, The idea that Kentucky's leading scorer is a junior who was a nothing player his freshman and sophomore year is a pretty unusual and surprising thing. The only ones off the top of my head... See, Josh Harrelson was a senior... And he kind of became a thing. Remember, he, he turned into a, an NBA prospect out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, I don't think like Alex Poitras would qualify because he kind of just stayed the course. And I don't. This dude is their leading scorer. Yeah, I don't think I don't even think he would apply. I don't. I don't know if there is a real parallel in terms of like, oh, you've gone from that to that. I, Harrelson is the only one that immediately jumps out. 
I feel like Collie Stein got better, but he was Collie Stein was was more of a factor early on. So he it really might just be Jorts and uh, and Richards in that regard. Yeah, no, it is a yeah. A, like he, he, Nick cool Richards right now, he got twenty five points, fourteen rebounds against Texas Tech. He's now averaging a team high thirteen point two points, team high seven point eight rebounds, team high two point five blocks, and twenty five point five minutes per game. And in the past three games. It's 21 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks in 35 minutes. I, I, like Josh Harrelson became a relevant player as he got older, but he um, wasn't. The, I, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. By the way, I'm just trying to find a parallel to a guy who maybe yeah, got. No, there is one. Know. Yeah, um, because what happens at Kentucky is, you, you, if you're a five-star prospect, like that's usually the only way you're getting to Kentucky. You better be a five-star prospect so you get there, and then the best ones play. And if you're not one of the best ones, then that usually means you aren't as good as your ranking suggested or you haven't developed properly something. And then here comes another way. Here comes five more five-star guys. And even if you're better than one of them or two of them, at least three of them are going to be one and done better than you guys. And then you get to your junior year, here comes five more five-stars. They're just overwhelming the roster every year. And, I mean, it really does become almost a fact without exception. If you can't play at Kentucky early, you're probably not going to be able to play at Kentucky late. And yet, Nick Richards is an obvious example to the contrary. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Real quick, on the other side of this, I, I tweeted out the Trivia Time teaser, so I, I'm guessing you know the answer. Did you see my Trivia Time tweet overnight? I, I did not see it. I'm sorry. On, you have not seen it? I swear to on my life. Wow. Okay, so I tweeted it late last night, and then I retweeted it earlier uh, this morning. Okay. I didn't, see, I didn't see anything late last night. I had the distinct pleasure. Uh, Brent Stover, my best buddy from CBS Sports Network, he called the Memphis game. And then played on Bill Street last night. Oh, so okay, I know everybody thinks that uh, you know Memphis. I don't know what everybody thinks, but it's like Memphis, Bill Street. You must go to like I literally never go to Bill Street. That's probably the first time I've been on Bill Street in two years. Uh, but I was on Bill Street till way late last night. So you could have tweeted a death threat at me, and I would not have seen it. Well, I like how you call uh, Bill Street Bill Street. With your with your accent, so <laughs> how do you call it? I'm Beale Street, but it sounds like you're saying Bill Street, but with an accent. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, whatever. I, I adore I adore your accent. What you just said is going to lead into the podcast review, by the way. Continue. It is. Oh, I love it. Okay, cool. Some great hit me with the trivia. Time. All right, trivia time. All right. Okay. Um, so Virginia was able to get a road win on Sunday against Wake in overtime. Good for Virginia for doing that, but. Um, after Texas Tech lost to Kentucky on Saturday night and before Virginia won, you know, if you really took a look at, um, at bracket projections, Virginia was not in the field, uh, and Texas Tech was seen around like the 10 line, maybe the 11 line, and now they take another loss. They're 1-7 quad one games, and they have eight quad one wins. So they're, they're by no means uh, secure in getting to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, Texas Tech and Virginia played in the 2019 National Championship game. Trivia time! Okay. If Virginia... And Texas Tech indeed both go on to not make this season's NCAA tournament since 1960. How many times will that have happened? Both teams, uh, not just one. Yeah, I'm. I feel like that probably happened three different times. See, I, I feel like I feel like you lied to me because that's going to be the answer. I you did not see God. it. Okay. I swear to God. Okay. This would, this would be the third time. This would be the third time if it's it does happen. Okay. Do you well, then I was wrong because I said it's already happened three okay, times. Okay. All right. So do you want to venture a guess at the other two times? And I can give you uh, quasi-hint one and quasi-hint two if you want it before you make blind guesses. Well, I'm going to go to 
times where I know that the team didn't make the turn. Two thousand, guess two thousand ten. Not correct. So you're thinking Carolina, oh nine, and they beat Michigan. Did they beat Michigan State? I, I researched all of it, so yeah. So no, no they, 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 they beat Michigan State's brains. Yeah, so Michigan State made it the next year. Michigan State makes the tournament every single season. Okay, yeah. Well, I didn't put that much thought into. No, that's it. okay. <laughs> um, so what was one of the other years? Uh, I would say 2013, except I believe 2012 was Kentucky, Kansas, and I feel like Kansas they oh, make it every year. That's too. correct. That's right. That's right. right. So now you did talk about one of these teams in the past two or three podcasts. So I think you're kind of you're sniffing around the right area that you might be able to get one of them here. Hmm. Hmm. See what I love about this, as you think, is the list. Oh, is it is it home. Florida one year, two thousand eight? And who would be the other team? Florida and Ohio State. That is correct. Uh, one of the only two instances of this happening since 1960 is Florida and Ohio State. Uh, the Gators losing their uh, their haul to the NBA after back-to-back championships, and then um, Ohio State losing uh, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, obviously uh, retaining uh, Mark Titus and actually winning the NIT championship the next season. So they uh, they did well for themselves, relatively speaking. Um, that's one. Now the other one. Um, how could I tease this to you? The other instance of this, uh, there's a t- there's a hint I could give you, but you, you'd get it immediately. Um, the other, well, then that, that's the hint I prefer. Then, okay, it's the it's it's regarded as arguably the most important basketball game in college hoops history. In 1979, correct. Next year, Michigan State and Indiana State both did not make the tournament. Ah, so we could have a third instance of this. The tournament field expanded to 32 teams in 75. And I, and then before that, you've got UCLA invoked in like, you know, nine of those seasons. So obviously in most of those cases, uh, they made it. And then even in cases when they didn't, uh, either a loser or a winner wound up doing it. So anyway, good little piece of trivia. We'll see if um, we'll see if that winds up being true or not. Right now, Texas Tech right near the cut line, right there with Virginia. They obviously have plenty of opportunities to change that. But so we go. Uh, we spent some time on Friday's podcast discussing teams that started the season well, but then took a bad turn. Ohio State, Butler, Memphis, Michigan. Texas also belongs on the list. We're going to get into that next. Uh, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So we spent some time on last Friday's podcast discussing teams that started the season relatively well, if not incredibly well, and then just took a bad turn and they haven't recovered uh, for whatever reason. We talked about Ohio State, 
Uh, Butler, although Butler did get a win over Marquette on Friday night, so they got back to their winning ways. Memphis took a loss at home to SMU. Disastrous. Michigan lost again. Uh, Texas is not a team that we we threw on the list, but they belong on the list. They started 9-1 with a win at Purdue. Now they're 12-7 overall, 2-4 in the Big 12, 2-4 in their past six games, coming off of a home loss to LSU this weekend. They are on a three-game losing streak. And unless things get turned around, Mm -hmm. Texas is about to miss the NCAA tournament for the third time in a five-year span after making it 16 times in 17 years under Rick Barnes. They fired Rick Barnes after he actually made the NCAA tournament. Now they're on track to miss it for the third time in five years under Rick Barnes' replacement, that Shaka Smart. Norlander, are you surprised that the Shaka Smart era hasn't gone more smoothly at Texas so far? Uh, yeah, I actually got this um, I got this question for last week's court report in the uh, what I call the at me section. You can always tweet at me. If you have random questions you want answered, I can always uh, supply them in the court report. But yeah, this was asked, and I am surprised. Um, just a quick uh, dossier refresh on, on Shaka. You know, when he was at VCU, he took he not just made the final four, um, but after he ma- took VCU to the final four, uh, he won uh, in the NCAA tournament the ensuing next two years, and then made the NCAA tournament the two years after that. So he went to uh, the Big Dance in five of his six seasons with the Rams and won a minimum of 26 games every single season he was there. It all amounted to a 7.44 winning percentage. Since he's got to Texas here in year five ongoing, he's just a shade under 54%. They've had three first-round draft picks, all big men, um, and you know, with the exception of Mohamed Bamba, um, they've been a little bit ahead of schedule, and I think actually in some ways um, – that uh, it's not to excuse like how you know irregular Texas has been, but any coach will tell you like if you wind up getting a player um, that gets way ahead of schedule when it comes to that stuff, whether you think he'll be a pro in two years, three years, or you don't think he'll be a pro and he turns into one, uh, it can sometimes mess up uh, a playing di- playing dynamic, locker room dynamic, recruiting who you're going to get, and then you get tossed into uh, into a tight spot, and then that kind of stuff can compound. I'm not saying that definitely happened here with Texas, but I can definitely see that being a factor there. And yeah, I did think that Chaka Smart would work at Texas uh, when he was hired there in 20. 2015, I definitely believed that this was going to be a case of Texas having its coach for the next 15 years. I wasn't convinced that he'd win a national championship, so to speak, or that he would get to the tournament as frequently as Rick Barnes. In fact, I definitely think that wouldn't be the case, but I thought it would be a bit better than this. Now, the question becomes, um, if Texas does not make the NCAA tournament uh, after... There was noise about this last season. I, I never bought that it was going to happen uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, now, if if in back-to-back seasons, Texas doesn't make the NCAA tournament, although they did shouts, they won that NIT last season. Of course, that means nothing. Um, would they move on uh, and would Shaka want to move on? Um, that's obviously going to be something that's on the table there. Texas still has opportunities to fight back into it, but clearly – not in a good spot right now, sitting at two and four in the league, twelve and seven in overall, and you know, just beating LSU at home would have been so preferred. Now, road game at TCU, home to Iowa State. That's like one of those like you gotta win that game. Iowa State's bad. And then they're at Kansas. Then they host Texas Tech. Like we could easily be talking about a thirteen and ten Texas team, you know, two weeks from now. Um, things are getting tight in a hurry. And yes, this when we get to the carousel this could wind up being the most coveted job on the market in mid-March if Shaka uh, can't turn it around and things if things really go south in a hurry. Yeah, um, the Big Ten and the Big 12 are similar, and we talked about the Big Ten in this way last week, in the sense that if you 
dig a hole, it, it's just hard to dig out because it's hard to string wins because you you are always about you know it feels like four days away from playing a road game against the top forty team, and those are just hard games to win. And so uh, they're sitting here at two and four in the Big Twelve. You start looking at the the upcoming schedule, like where can they get on a roll? Uh, I, I I'm not sure. You know, King Palm's got them projected to finish seventeen and fourteen overall, seven and eleven in the Big Twelve. That that won't be good enough to make the NCAA tournament even sniff it. Um, they started 31st at Kimpom, by the way, now all the way down to, to 75th. Um, so, the, the, you know, in real time, things aren't going well. And through the first four seasons, uh, not that great either. Two NCAA tournaments in four years, uh, like you mentioned, won the NIT last year, but 33 and 45 to date in the Big 12. And they've had a losing record in the Big 12 in three of the past four seasons. Now, I do think that details matter. And this is not an excuse as much as it's a possible explanation. But I, I don't know who this has happened to um, two times in the past four years. He lost his leading score midseason. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a normal thing. In year two, Tevin Mack got suspended. He only played in 13 games. He was the leading scorer when he got suspended. And then he was gone. And then in year three, of course, Andrew Jones gets diagnosed with leukemia. He was the leading scorer at the time. So when you just in, – in two of your first three years and two of the past four years, your leading, your leading score just disappears midseason. That is not an easy thing to overcome. Now, that, again, that's not an excuse, but it is a possible explanation. And then the Jackson – it's one thing to lose Mo Bamba after a year. You knew that from the day you enrolled in. You're not supposed to lose Jackson Hayes after one year. And I do think that that can be difficult to recover from. Um, you know, One of the reasons, if not the main reason, they, they ultimately fired Rick Barnes is – you know, he wasn't recruiting well anymore at Texas. And Shaka has done that. You know, he's got five straight recruiting classes that are in the top 20, three in the top 10. So he has recruited well, but, you know, the results, and I think even Shaka would tell you, they're not, they're not where he expected them to be, and they're not where I expected them to be. And it, it will make the next few months interesting because, um, though I'm not sure Texas would pull the trigger, um, I know Texas fans, at least some of them, the ones that tweet me would be uh, thinking about maybe doing it. And and then I, I think a more likely scenario is Shaka maybe trying to do what we can call a Josh Pastner, which is look around. And even if you have to take an inferior, slightly inferior job, just get out and get a fresh set of expectations, a fresh contract, a fresh start. Um, that might be beneficial for for all parties involved. I, I also find this uh, remarkably fascinating from a Texas Tech perspective, because on one hand, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you probably you, you you find joy in Texas losing and Texas not being good. On the other hand, if Texas ever does get to a place where it needs another coach, um, they are probably coming after your coach. So Texas being bad could be the thing that leads to Texas Tech someday losing its superstar coach, which is just an interesting in-state dynamic. Uh, no, it, it, it is. Um, and I'll give uh, credit to our buddy Jeff Borzello. I, he did a, a, a wrap-up of stuff on Saturday for ESPN.com, and I read his piece on Sunday morning. And he had said that uh, you know someone in the industry had texted him and uh, – and had said, and I assume this is someone working for an agency, obviously, because who else would text Borzello this, uh, but a bit of a blind item and saying, 
All right. You see what's going on right now in this Kentucky-Texas Tech game? You see what's happening in that building? That's why Chris Beard never should leave for Texas because even if Kansas was at its best and Texas was at its best, he's never going to get that new Texas. Texas is getting a new arena here in the coming years, which is supposedly a major upgrade because I've never actually been to uh, – have you been Have you a new game in Austin? I've never been to that building. I, 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 yeah, I've been there many, many times. It's uh, underwhelming. Yeah, I've heard it's just not – it's not a um, – yeah, it's not it's not an impressive kind of deal there. And um, uh, so even if you know you had a new building coming in, you're not going to get be able to draw that kind of support. I don't know if that's true or if that isn't with Chris Beard, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know why why that would be true. Like you would have said the same thing about Texas Tech. Like, you absolutely would have. You you are you are correct. You absolutely. Who could would. ever get people to care about basketball at Texas Tech? Well, Chris Beard could. So if you can get him, if he trust me, if you can get him to care about basketball at Texas Tech. You can get them to care about basketball at Texas. Like I don't, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you. So uh, th- that's obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, Texas Tech is gonna, you know, Chris Beard. They're gonna have to try and retain him, uh, regardless of how if the season's good or not. I mean, it, it, it's just gonna be a that'll be a thing there. And yeah, um, I will say this. Uh, I, it's I guess it's slightly possible that Shaka Smart isn't coaching in college basketball next season. And if that's the case, and he wants a TV job, he'll obviously have it. But uh, I would. I would definitely lean toward whether it's with Texas or somewhere else. Shaka Smart will be coaching. It's just a matter of uh, how the rest of the season goes for Texas and then what he ultimately chooses to pursue if Texas indeed wants to split off. I'm not even 100% convinced that's going to wind up happening. we got to wait and see on that. Um, You know, and these conversations are always, like, uncomfortable. Like, I've known Shaka forever. I I consider him a friend. And so – you leave it up to me. I want him to get this thing turned around and 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 go on a seven-game winning streak and and march Texas right into the uh, NCAA tournament and and into the Sweet 16. Um, but but something's going to have to change um, for them to do that because they're not they're not playing uh, well right now and and the 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 record um, the record reflects that. Um, if, if he is for whatever reason not the Texas coach next season, I would I would assume as long as he wants to coach. He he'll have a job like uh, he could. I, I feel like Shaka is one of those guys who even if both sides just decided Texas ain't the place anymore, that he could still get a power five job. A lot like Josh Pastor was still able to get, um, you know, a, a power conference job after, you know, sort of being nudged um, out of Memphis. Yeah, I agree. All uh, right. Let's get to the Sunday podcast review. All right. Uh, we do it. We do one every Sunday as a as a shout out to you guys, but also to encourage you guys to go to Apple Podcast and leave a a nice review and, and a five star uh, rating. So we go through them every uh, week, and then I pick one out and uh, we uh, read it right here on the podcast, and you get shouted out just like Larnell and uh, in Chester, South Carolina. This one comes from Tyler from New Jersey. He said, when Gary introduces himself each podcast, he says, "Hi everyone, it's Gary Parrish." But for some odd reason, when I uh, when I was new to the pod. It sounded to me like, hi, everyone, it's Scary Parish. Scary Parish <laughs> is a freaking awesome name. I don't actually have a what? question, but I wanted to tell this story because I find this humorous and it makes me chuckle every time I hear it. Deadleg, Norlander, and Scary Parish, the best duo in the game, giving the people the best college basketball podcast in the world three times a week. Keep it up, gentlemen. You guys are incredible. That's very nice, Tyler. And I will say, um, I am... Uh, Often people think they hear me say things that I don't actually say. Like the- Hold on. As you're saying this, by the way, so he, he Parrish leans into his computer to read it, okay, because he's, again, sitting in the dark like a vampire, and then he goes, he leans back to tell the story, 
and I do not exaggerate since we, uh, we are obviously recording audio to audio, but we're doing video to Skype. He leans back and his face just disappears into the blackness. I see nothing but a black screen <laughs> in Parrish's voice. So you are scary Parrish right now. Like this is kind of creepy as hell. Continue with your little deal. I had to lean into the computer because my eyes don't work very well anymore. I, and my glasses are downstairs, I think. So I had to. I, like, I wonder if you wanting to sit in dark rooms. My, I can't find a correlation here. But anyway, continue. I like I like the dark. What do you want me to do? Um, at the end of my radio show, and I don't even remember why I said this once upon a time, but it stuck. And then it became a thing. And, you know, I was just like, uh, you know, be careful, be kind, be good and rep your hood. And then people were like, oh, yeah. You know, be careful. Be, you know, people tweeted at you, and then we ended up actually putting on T-shirts and selling them, and it's a, it's a thing. Well, I've had multiple people over the years say, "Dude, for the longest time, until I actually saw the wording, I thought you were saying be careful, be kind, be good, and wrap your hood." And they thought I was telling people to have you know safe sex. <laughs> <laughs> that my sign off on radio was to tell people to put a condom on. And when I was you're like, on Bill Street, you want to wrap your hood. Yeah. <laughs> that well, that's that goes without saying. And so here's Tyler saying that he thought I was saying scary parish instead of Gary Parish. Do it. Be honest with me. I don't talk clearly all the time, do I? Hey there, everybody. It's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January seventh, nineteen seventy four. This is the yeah, yeah. So I can, I, I can, I, I can. I, I do talk in a rhythm. Oh yeah, you got a rhythm to you. Yeah. I, I talk in a rhythm and. and it, the re, I start my radio show the same way every day, and I start this podcast the same way. And the reason is because it gets me going. Well, yeah, just, you know, you're you're a, you're a you're a batter at the plate, man. You just got to get you got to just you got to you got to move the elbows, move the, move the arms, just get that I bat can't, feeling. Can't just, move my elbows. That's right, dead arm. <laughs> I'm dead arm. Dead arm, man. Hey, I, it hurt, I, it hurts so I, you bad. can't even lift a half gallon of milk right now, can you? No, that's it hurts not, that's, so that's, uh, bad. So, like, I think that's what happens when I am doing these. Uh, the The beginning is always the same. The end is always the same. I'm speaking in a rhythm because I just speak in a rhythm when I'm talking about those things, and the words can get a little blurry. And so, it's not scary. It's Gary. It's not rap. It's rep. And I'll try to be better going forward. All right. Well, fair enough, man. Um, hey, listen. Uh, you know, enjoyed uh, getting to talk with you because I, I, you know, with the hoop stuff um, and uh, with the Kobe stuff, I had really only talked with my wife about it. Uh, she's been home with me today, so um, thank you to the listeners for everything. Uh, do please, um, if you if you've come upon this podcast through means other than a subscription, uh, we do appreciate it, and uh, that listenership has been growing. We do appreciate that as well. We'll continue to deliver you three podcasts per week and emergency podcasts when they are necessary. We've got a light schedule on Monday again. Been a weird thing with college hoop season so far this year. Um, uh, big Mondays are not big. Uh, we just have had underwhelming matchups overall and just light slates in general. So we'll see what uh, what Tuesday brings us. Uh, GP can let you know about uh, CBS Sports Network games coming further this week in just a moment here and then obviously we'll be back for you uh with the wednesday morning podcast and see what else we can get to because we are inching by the way as we record this uh it's coming in quickly we are 49 days out from selection sunday seven weeks from today um so that might seem like a long time but i promise you the next thing you know you'll be lo looking up listening to this pod and we're going to be talking about conference tournaments so season's really getting a roar on here so super bowl is only a week away and then after that um the consciousness really you know dives into what uh, college basketball is and bubble teams, et cetera, et cetera. So looking forward to it. January is almost done, GP. Per normal, I'll be flying to New York on Monday. I'll be in studio, CBS Sports Network, Tuesday and Wednesday night. And on Tuesday, we got a doubleheader, Richmond at VCU and then Butler at Georgetown. So those are a couple of uh, good games, an A-10 game and a Big East game. So uh, make sure to check that out Tuesday night, CBS Sports 
Network. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And shouts to Tyler from New Jersey. Please, if you haven't already, go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.